today on CityCast Pittsburgh. Pennsylvania is set to get $1.6 billion in opioid settlement money over the next several years, and those funds are supposed to help communities address addiction, maybe put a dent in this epidemic. But a state ban could make it a lot harder to get anything done. It's Wednesday, December 13th. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. I'm with Ed Mahan of Spotlight PA. Welcome back to CityCast. Great to be back. And Sarah Bowden, WESA's health and science reporter. It's so nice to see you. Hey, nice to see you. So, Ed and Sarah, I'm so glad to have you guys both on the show. You did an amazing piece on syringe services in Pennsylvania. And in Allegheny County, we have these services, but I know that's not the case everywhere in the state. So, Sarah, um, we've touched a little, just a little bit on syringe services on this show before. But these centers, they're places where folks can get clean needles, Narcan, fentanyl testing strips, other things. How would you describe like why these supplies are so important when we're talking about drug use and addiction here in Pennsylvania? Well, the illicit drug supply is not a regulated drug supply. And a lot of times also when people use illicit drugs, they end up sharing needles or reusing needles. And this means that, you know, they're more likely to catch bloodborne viruses such as HIV and hepatitis C and develop soft tissue infections and all sorts of like really serious health issues. And so the benefit of providing people who use illicit drugs with clean use supplies is it makes it less likely that they're going to suffer these poor health outcomes. Yeah. And the places that we have here in Allegheny County, the sites that we have, they're different than like a supervised injection site. Yeah, these are two separate types of harm reduction strategies that are sometimes conflated. And the reason why is because they both aim to reduce the risk of using illicit drugs. But a safe injection site is essentially what it sounds like. You go to a place and you use your drug and then somebody's there monitoring to help you if there's a medical emergency. Well, a syringe service is simply providing you sterile supplies so that if you use uh, if you use illicit drugs, you can be safer about it. And knowledge to some extent, too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I know that we are very lucky to have some of this in Allegheny County and so does Philly, but most of the state does not. What's holding up access to the rest of the Commonwealth? The big issue is Pennsylvania's drug paraphernalia law, which makes it illegal to possess all types of equipment if they're being used or intended to be used for illegal substances. And the state's definition of drug paraphernalia includes syringes, needles, and other objects if they're used for injecting illegal drugs. And so that law is why there's a widespread view that operating a syringe service program could lead to you getting arrested and prosecuted. And as we note in the story, the advocates and experts we talk to aren't aware of someone actually being charged with this for operating a syringe service program in Pennsylvania. But that threat hangs over people as they're doing this work. So it's not happening, but it's a fear constantly. If you engage in it, it could happen. Exactly. It's a constant fear. And it hasn't been since nobody's been arrested for doing it. There haven't been cases that really test what the limits are and what the protections actually are. And the other thing is funding, too. Like So people are, have that fear. And then also it just it restricts all types of funding as well. 
So what's actually happening on the ground then? Like if you're in Lawrence County, Somerset, Green, like some of these surrounding counties around Pittsburgh, but also in the Philly area. We spoke to someone in uh, Luzerne County who's running a syringe service program out of the trunk of her car, um, giving out supplies, syringes along with other harm reduction supplies, and then, you know, taking taking the needles back and disposing of them. Um, There's other places that are doing these sort of underground programs. There's a, a person in... Cambria County who has a whole medical, a free charitable medical clinic that offers these syringe services as part of that work. Um, so you have some of these smaller institutions doing this, but they, they're, they're limited in how they can advertise what they're doing. And by advertise, mm-hmm. I just mean what they can say on their website. And then they're also limited in how much funding they get and how, how much they can expand this work. And then also there are places where people aren't willing to take this risk and so that they, those services aren't being provided. Why did we get a ban in the first place? You know, you report in your story that Pennsylvania is one of only 12 states that don't implicitly or explicitly authorize this. Why? How did Allegheny County get around it? Well, Allegheny County got around it because in the 2000s, um, an ordinance was passed basically saying for public health reasons, we can have syringe services here in Allegheny County. Philadelphia did something similar in the 1990s. Um, and hypothetically, other counties and municipalities could take similar steps. Um, but from what Ed and I have found, we haven't found any other county or municipality in Pennsylvania that has done this. Mm. And as a result, to our knowledge, um, Allegheny County and Philadelphia are the only places where sanctioned syringe exchanges operate here in Pennsylvania. So that's the exception. Ed, what's the rule? <laughs> well, yeah, sorry. I, I, mean, I was just jumping in and say, like, that, you know, nobody has challenged, to our knowledge, Philadelphia told us this explicitly. Allegheny said they weren't aware of any challenges to these ordinances. So there's, you know, if these ordinances were, cha- or if Allegheny County's ordinance and Philadelphia's executive order, if they were challenged, whether the courts would uphold them or not, or whether there would be um, any clarifying case law, that hasn't happened either. So, you know, right now, these programs have operated for a long time with the assumption that they aren't conflicting with state law. You know, that that's sort of the because if they conflicted with state law, that would be a whole separate issue. So their their argument essentially is that they're they're not conflicting. They're they're having their, their own public health powers. It's basically nobody's challenging it. So we're assuming it's OK, but maybe it's not. Um, an appellate court has yet to say. So let's talk about the opioid settlement money, $1.6 billion just in Pennsylvania. And how is this money going to be spent if it can't be used on establishing or expanding services like this that are designed to help people? So so here's, I mean, this is sort of the impetus for the whole story is that when they reached this settlement, and this was a big bipartisan coalition of attorneys general from across the country, Including Pennsylvania, then AG Josh Shapiro. Now he's our governor. Now he's our governor. He's been very vocal about his work to secure these settlements. One of the specific things they put in there is, as the core strategy of this money, is syringe services. And so this agreement specifically identifies syringe services as what, as one of the key things opiate settlement money should go to. In Allegheny County, they have spent money on syringe services. They've taken opiate settlement money and are directly spending it on syringe, ser- syringe services. And presumably other places could. I mean, they, this funding source is available to them that they could do it. Um, but because there's this ban, that's obviously a big uh, barrier to places actually willing to take that 
risk or whatever that risk could be. And so, you know, we don't know all the ways counties are spending their money at this point. They don't have to report that until next year. And so, you know, we've been able to piece some things together based on, you know, following meeting minutes, following news accounts, doing our own right to know request, open records request. Bless um, you. That's a lot of paperwork. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work. But, you know, I mean, the big debate that's there's a lot of money that's going to jails in a variety of ways. There's some money that's going to medication assisted treatment in jails. There's some money that's apparently going to uh, at least one that I know of, like a, a body scanner at a jail to detect drugs that might be coming in and out. But I think I think a lot of money might go to jails because those are a huge county expense. Um, and then we've seen debates about whether this money can and whether it should be used to support uh, basically police, detectives, vehicles, some cases guns for police um, to make more arrests, essentially, to focus on that law enforcement side. And so most of these decisions are coming down to counties. I believe it's like 70% goes directly to counties. Another 15% goes to litigating entities. And a lot of those litigating entities, those are places that had lawsuits against companies. Those are also county governments. So most of these decisions are happening at the local level. The show today is brought to you by an incredible local resource, AIDS Free Pittsburgh, and their pledge to end the HIV AIDS epidemic in Allegheny County by 2030. If that is a cause that is close to your heart, make sure you're around for their biggest event of the summer, the sixth annual Too Hot for July. It is a party, but it is also a chance to get confidential HIV and STI testing for free, plus info on the incredible preventative medicines we have now to keep yins happy, healthy, and feeling your most confident out on the town. So come on out to Allegheny Commons East Park on Thursday, May 30th. Yes, July is in the name, but the event is in May. Don't get confused. May 30th from 4 to 10 p.m. There will be DJ sets, a health fair and marketplace, a ballroom-inspired dance battle, cash bar, food trucks, and more. Plus, a performance by Tony Award winner Alex Newell, a.k.a. Unique, from Glee. This is all thanks to True Tea Pittsburgh and so many folks doing the good work out here in the community. So do not miss out. Learn more at TooHotForJuly.com. Sarah, any idea how Allegheny County might spend its share of all this? Yeah, so I'm looking at a dashboard right now that listeners can go online. There is a dashboard. Um, And right now, the total amount of budgeted funds that the county has received is $8.4 million. And, you know, it doesn't get too detailed, but it lists things like research, harm reduction, um, connections to care, treatment for opioid use disorder. And harm reduction, by the way, um, is $540,000 is going to harm reduction. About uh, 60% of that is going to syringe services uh, through Prevention Point Pittsburgh. And just to keep people in the loop here, Prevention Point Pittsburgh, they're the major organization in our area that provide a lot of these services. Um, But you said $8.4 million. That seems kind of low for the entire county. Like Allegheny County is the second largest in the entire state. How is this money going to work? Like, do we get more later? It just seems like such a small piece of a $1.6 billion pie. 
So yeah, there's uh six million that I believe you're gonna be, Allegheny County will get paid uh, at some point this month for its third round of payments, and then these these settlements uh, occur over eighteen years or so. For Allegheny County, there's tens of millions of dollars coming. Gotcha. Uh, just from one one group of settlements. Who's the holder of all that money? Like, where does it sit and draw interest until they get around to sending us a check? So it goes to the state's opioid uh, trust, which is a 13, I believe, 13 member board with various regional and state representatives. And they get these payments. I believe they get them like once a year and then they distribute them once a year. And so they don't they don't have all the money yet. The companies are paying them out over a period of time. But then the company, the, the trust does generate it has generated a fair amount of interest at this point. And so they're using some of that for their own like administrative expenses. Yeah, uh, I know Republican Representative Jim Struzzi uh, sponsored legislation that would change all of this, make syringe services legal across the state, and it sounds like it's pretty personal for him. We have a clip, thanks to both of you, of him talking about his brother who died of a drug overdose. I don't think he had the proper resources at the time, and I didn't fully understand addiction myself. I thought, well, just quit. But that's not possible for people that suffer from substance abuse disorder. It, it really is a disease that needs to be treated like that. What's the status of Struzzi's legislation at this point? So it's been introduced and it's in a committee right now. And the chairperson of that committee uh, told me he supports the legislation, but it hasn't come up for any votes. And part of that we learned during this reporting goes back to that whole issue of supervised injection sites and the debate happening over that. Mm. Right now, it's in the committee with that, the Judiciary Committee with Chairperson Tim Briggs of Montgomery County. And he's concerned that if he brought forward this bill, someone might try and also bring forward some legislation that Representative Briggs does not support. And that legislation involves supervised injection sites. And those are, as we talked about earlier, places where people can use previously obtained drugs and use those drugs under professional medical supervision. Uh, there's a there's an effort statewide to ban those. And Representative Briggs doesn't want to pass a statewide ban. And so he's concerned that if you put this syringe services legislation forward, that there's going to be potentially someone trying to amend it to, to combine the two ideas. What about the governor? Does he support it? So the governor, his administration says he supports syringe services legislation as well. Um, and, you know, they, the DDAP secretary, Dr. Latika Davis-Jones, during a, a public meeting a couple months ago, she, or several months ago now, she had talked about opioid settlement money, how as syringe services, as one of the potential uses for opioid settlement money. But the Department of Drug and Alcohol Programs hasn't used any of their opioid settlement money for this. And presumably that's, in part due to the, the statewide ban. And so, Sarah, I know as part of this story, you also spoke with someone east of Pittsburgh in Westmoreland County who, you know, while all of this has been in flux, is still distributing these items anyway. And we know from your story, of course, that that can be quite risky. Why did she say she wants to do it anyway? Yeah, this woman is named Kim Bodiger, and basically she just finds it to be a really effective way to reach people. Um, and also, research bears this out. Um, people who are connected to syringe services are more likely not only to enter recovery, but then be successful in that recovery. And that's because syringe services 
people say, it's, it almost feels cliche to say, but they meet people where they are. They don't try and change someone. They meet people where they are. They try and understand their needs. Um, and then they go from there. And that really builds trust. Her thinking is, it's effective. So she's going to tolerate the risk because she really wants to help people. Sarah, if people are listening and maybe they need these supplies or they think they know someone who might, um, what would you recommend? Where should they look in Pittsburgh? Well, in Pittsburgh, definitely go to Prevention Point Pittsburgh. Um, Also, the city of Pittsburgh has a syringe exchange service. And then outside of Pittsburgh, I would contact harm reduction services. um, And then you might maybe say, do you know where I can get sterile supplies and they might have them or they might point you in the right direction. Some people are really open about it, like Kim, who talked to Ed and myself. And some people are more underground about it because they are afraid of prosecution. Um, But there are people who are doing this on kind of broader scales, unsanctioned, and then also people who just like kind of keep some on hand and like distribute them out of their car, their office. It's, It's going on in all levels. We'll make sure your wonderful reporting is linked in our show notes. Ed, Sarah, thank you both so much. Thank you very much. Thanks, Megan. And just a quick editor's note. If you're getting into this episode a little later in the day or later in the week, we get it. We updated it to reflect that Pittsburgh allocated $540,000 to harm reduction, not $54,000. Thank you to our guests for course correcting. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you're liking the show, we hope you'll consider becoming a founding member of CityCast Pittsburgh. We've published more than 412 episodes of CityCast 412, get it? From fun conversations with Pittsburgh officials to finding the best donuts, we are there for you. Now we're hoping that maybe you'll be there for us by becoming a member. You can get some really cool perks like ad-free listening, maybe enjoy our content uninterrupted. Join now at membership.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you soon. The, the dashboard is great. I mean, the dashboard is better than any county I've seen in Pennsylvania, too, in terms of transparency and accountability. Nobody's ever said that about Allegheny County, Ed. <laughs> Mark it down. <laughs> <laughs>